1973, a man named Gary Kildall wrote the first popular operating system for personal computers. A, year, a few years later, in 1980, IBM approached the man and, and asked him about developing a system for their line of personal computers. But apparently, Mr. Kildall uh, stood up the IBM officials at a critical meeting they were supposed to have and decided that he was going to go uh, fly an airplane somewhere <laughs> and just kind of uh, take the day and do something else. Well, that's probably why you've never heard of him before. Because after that snubbing of the IBM executives, they turned to another man. And there was a guy who had founded a, a small uh, software company called uh, Microsoft or something like that. And uh, he had come up with an operating system called MS-DOS. And about 14 years later, that man, Bill Gates, was worth billions of dollars. How many of us can look back over our lifetimes and see missed opportunities? How many times have you said to yourself, if I had only known, if I had just realized that was happening, or if I'd just been paying a little more attention, maybe it's a ball player, and in the midst of a game for a brief moment on the field, they lose their concentration. Maybe it's a business person who's with a client, and maybe they're not on their toes, and, and they miss a sale or something that they should have caught more closely. I'm sure we've all missed some great opportunities in life. But I want to ask you about opportunities with God. How many of us have missed times that God wanted to work in our lives? When He wanted to speak to us, when He wanted to help us, when He wanted to grow us, or even He wanted to save us. He wanted to rescue us from sin and give us eternal life, but for whatever reason... We weren't ready for it. But we can't change the past, can we? The past is over. And the Bible talks about it. The Bible and God is all about today forward. We can do something about the rest of our lives. You might have missed some opportunities, but God's going to give you an opportunity right now, today. I believe that God wants us to discover whether or not we are really ready for Him to work in our lives. We've been learning that God's at work, We've been learning that He's wanting to work in your life and in my life, so the question's not with God. The question's with who? It's with us. Is our heart ready? Are our hearts ready for God to do His work? That's the question that we want to think about today. Actually, we're going to begin to think about that today, and we're going to finish that up next time. But we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 13. And in Matthew 13, verses 1 through 3, the Bible tells us that Jesus was teaching. And large crowds of people were following and listening to His teaching, and He was he was primarily using a teaching method called parables. Now, for those of you that don't know what a parable is, a parable is basically, some have defined that as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Or we might say a, a real-life, everyday example that helps us to better understand spiritual truth. So in Matthew 13, Jesus tells a parable, a story like that, a story related to farming, which probably would have related very much to an agricultural society that he was dealing with. But he tells them about a sower, and that sower was sowing some seeds. In fact, many Christians have called this the parable of the sower. But actually, the focus in these verses is not on the sower. The focus is not on the seeds. The focus is on the soil, on the ground that the sower was working and that the seeds were going to be falling upon. And so I want us to look at what Jesus said, and I want us to answer this question in our own life. Okay, God, we've been learning that you are working. I don't have to question that. Does God really care? Is, does God want to be involved in my life? We've already answered that, haven't we, over the last few weeks together. But today, really, the question is, okay, if God is working, am I ready for that? 
Is my heart prepared for him to work in my life? And we're going to start by reading the parable itself in Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9. And then we're going to pick up and we're going to read the explanation of the parable in verses 18 through 23. Let's start by reading the parable itself in verse 3. It says, And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came up and ate them up. Others fell in the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And listen to what Jesus says. He who has ears, let him hear. It sounds like God's wanting to get our attention, isn't it? Listen up is basically what Jesus says. Is your heart ready? We're going to focus on the first two things that Jesus talks about in this parable. And I want us to start by looking at verses 18 through 21 and seeing that Jesus told them, actually verses 18 through 19, Jesus told them as we look at hearts today, as we examine our own hearts, there's several examples here. There's several, uh, there's several different types of hearts. And the first one that he talks about is he says, some hearts are hard. Some hearts are hard this morning. Probably, possibly, even in this place, today in verse 18 he says here then now in verses 10 through 17 jesus kind of explained to the disciples why why he was using parables and we're not going to really read that but in verse 18 they're kind of like us Uh, they need the cliff notes (laughs) they need the commentary they needed the explanation because they didn't quite get it anybody ever read the bible and you don't get it hey jesus could you explain that to us well he explains it to them in verse 18 he says here then the parable of the sower when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. Jesus says there are some people who, even though God might be trying to work in their hearts, for whatever reason, they have grown cold. They have gotten hard. They're not receptive. They're not open to the seeds that God is dropping on their ground. It's not ground that's been tilled. It's not ground that's ready to garden. It's actually more like a beaten path that is unable to be penetrated by a seed. In uh, verse 19, it says that these people do not understand. Now, I think that's a little bit of an of a, of a unfortunate translation there. I think a good way to paraphrase that is this. They just don't get it. In verse 15 and following, Jesus kind of makes it clear what he's talking about here is not an intellectual thing. What Jesus is dealing with, he makes it very clear in verse 15. He's talking about hearts. This is a heart issue that God is talking about. And the bottom line is, if you look at Mark chapter 4, verse 20, if you look at Luke chapter 8, verse 15, which are kind of similar, uh, similar passages in the other Gospels, uh, the word that's used there is that they don't receive it. Uh, God's word goes out, the seed is planted, but they don't accept that seed. Or actually, Luke says... They don't hold on to it. For whatever reason, their soil, their heart, is not in a position to let the seed sink in. Now let's talk about what the seeds actually are. Jesus says in verse 19, what is the seed? He says, when anyone hears what? The word of the kingdom. Actually, that word, word, could be translated the message. The word or the message of the kingdom. When anyone hears God speaking to them, we could put it that way, that's what the seed is. It's when God speaks... We're talking about his word. And the sower, 
It could be Jesus. It could be God the Father. It could be one of his representatives. Maybe a pastor or it could be another Christian that's sharing with somebody else, a faithful witness of the Lord. But as we live our lives, don't you thank God for this? There are people who sow the Word of God into your life. Aren't you glad for that, church family? It might be a TV or a radio pastor. It might be your own pastor. It might be a Bible study teacher in your church. It might be an uncle, a grandmother, an aunt, a cousin, a friend, a spouse, sometimes even our children. Amen? God uses children sometimes as they're learning verses in Sunday school or Awana or as they're coming to church and as they share things, maybe in our family devotions. But God has his sowers out there. He's the ultimate source of the sowing, and he sends his word out into people's lives. There's nothing wrong with God. Amen. He's the sower. There's nothing wrong with the seed. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 says God's word always accomplishes the purpose that God sent it out for. So there's nothing wrong with the sower. There's nothing wrong with the seed. But there is some question about the soil. The question, the real, the biggest variable, the the biggest difference that can be made here is really on what kind of ground that seed is going to fall upon. Sometimes God's word falls on cold, hard soil. Ground that is not ready We might even see sometimes that is not willing to receive it. Now, let me ask you a question I want you to be real honest with yourself about. How many times has God spoken to your heart and you did not allow it to sink in? Maybe you weren't tuned in spiritually. Maybe you're busy. Maybe a lot of things going on. You're just busy or whatever. But, But your ground was not ready. It was not prepared. Or maybe you didn't allow it to go. Maybe it was an intentional thing. Maybe you've you've grown kind of hard, kind of cold. But isn't that kind of odd? Isn't it odd that the that there's a God in heaven? He created us. He created us. Do you realize that? He created you. And that God wants a relationship with you. Isn't it kind of odd, even unusual, that those who were created could say back to the Creator, eh, I don't think so. I'll pass. Well, thanks for the information, God, but we're okay. Isn't that kind of odd? Why would God speak to somebody's heart and we would say no? Well, sometimes we're just rebellious, aren't we? Sometimes we're just stubborn. We're just hard-hearted. We just have an unyielding, unteachable spirit. I don't care what God says. I'm going to do what I want to do. No hands raised, but anybody ever been there? Yeah. For others of us, we've experienced pain in our life, haven't we? Some people will not listen to God because you're bitter. You're angry. You know some things have happened in your life, and you know ultimately God's kind of the last filter for everything, and so you kind of blame it on Him. You say, God, there were some things that I don't like about my life, and you could have controlled that. And listen, you let me down, so I'm not going to listen to you anymore. We become angry and bitter at the Lord. Some of us are self-righteous, or what I mean by that is self-sufficient. We think that we're good enough on our own. We think that we know better than God. We're all set. I can figure out my life just fine on my own. In fact, if you don't think we think that, then you ask people sometimes, and sometimes people say, I don't need a crutch. I don't need religion as a crutch, as if leaning on God is, is some sort of crutch. We think we're okay. We can make it just fine without Him. Some of us are trying to keep up an image. We don't want other people to think that we're dependent on anybody, on God or anybody else. And some of us are afraid, aren't we? I've been there before. Listen, if I let God do this, if God speaks to my heart and I allow that to sink in and to penetrate my life, I'm not sure what kind of plant that's going to grow. Amen? 
Anybody sitting out there feeling that way? I'm not so sure I want it to sink in because I don't know where that's going to take me. Do any of these describe you? That rebelliousness, that stubbornness, that anger at God, that pain in your heart, that saying no to Him because I'm all set without Him, that trying to keep up an image to somebody else, that fear of what that's going to bring in your life. And so when God speaks and comes along and speaks to our hearts, we don't allow it to stick. And you know what the Bible says? The enemy comes along and snatches it up. And actually, it's a pretty graphic word. that it, 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 It's basically saying the enemy comes along and rips that away by force from our lives. Now, what do I mean by that? Have you ever come to church and God spoke to you and you go home and just forget completely about it? God spoke to you, but 30 minutes later, you're on about your business. You're living your life. You're doing whatever. The enemy has just ripped that out of your life. You know what the Bible says in Luke 8, verse 12? The ultimate tragedy of us not allowing God's word to take root when God is speaking to us and we say no thanks and we leave that on the surface, the ultimate tragedy is that God is calling us to trust him because God wants to help us. He wants to rescue us. He wants to save us. And when we go away and when we leave that, we've missed all of that in our lives. And so we don't believe him. And as a result, we're not saved. We're not helped. Some of us today are hurting in our lives because God is speaking to us, but we're not allowing that to penetrate our hearts. Do you find yourself kind of defiant today? It's not just that you're cautious when people talk about God. Certainly, we should be discerning when somebody talks about God, right? I mean, even when you come to church, we need to, we need to make sure that what's being shared in Bible studies and preaching and all this kind of thing, we need, to, we need to measure that against God's Word. Is this truly what God says? But that's not what I'm talking about. This is beyond that. This goes to cynical. This goes to resistant. This means if God did speak, I still wouldn't listen. So it's not evaluating as God speaking. It's actually knowing God speaking and saying, I don't want to hear it. Do you find that is in your heart today, friend? Does that concern you? Or maybe it's not that forceful. Maybe you just say, I'm just not interested. Maybe you're here today and you came because somebody invited you, but you say, you know, I'm just not interested in spiritual things. I just, and you just kind of ignore that. God speaks to your heart and you just kind of, I just rather not have it. What has happened in your life that would get you to the point that God Almighty would speak to you and you would not be willing to listen? Does that bother you? Do you identify that attitude in your heart? I hope no one here today is leaving God's Word to sit on the surface and not to sink in. So some hearts are hard, Jesus says. Is that you today? But he says also there's another kind of heart. Some hearts are shallow. In verses 20 and 21 it says, The one on whom seed was sown in the rocky places, this is the man who hears the Word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet it has no firm root in itself, in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. I was reading this week uh, from a publication that was written back in 1997. It said that of the thousands of people who've played Major League Baseball since baseball began, up until that point in 1997, only 74 people had ever hit a home run their first at bat. Can you imagine I mean, first time, you're in the major leagues, that's great enough. Can you imagine getting up to bat, and first time at bat, you knock one out of the park? How would you feel about that? (laughs) I'm going to be pretty good. (laughs) I mean, what's so hard about this stuff, right? Did you know of the 74 people who accomplished that, 13 of them never hit another home run? 
Oh, there's a letdown. That'd be my story. I'm going to be a star. I never play again. And only two of those people went into the Hall of Fame. And of the two that went in the Hall of Fame, one went as a pitcher, not as a hitter. <laughs> he just accidentally hit a home run the first time up. Just because somebody starts out well doesn't mean they're the real deal, does it? It's one of the saddest and hardest parts of serving the Lord. How many of us have seen somebody who went off with a bang with the Lord but didn't last very long? Or do you know somebody who doesn't ever go to church but about once a year they come back and they then God speaks to their heart and they cry some tears and and they really mean it. They say, you know, God, I just I'm, I'm sorry. I God spoke to my heart and they make some commitments to to themselves, to the Lord, to 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 us. Then 3 weeks later, what happened? Here's how Jesus describes people whose hearts are in that place. Now listen, friend, I want to share something with you. If you're here for the first time in years, if maybe you've not been to church, this is not to make anybody feel bad. It's not really a matter of activity. It's more a matter of our heart today. This could be anybody in the room. This is an attitude of how deep has God's Word gone in your heart? How much have you let that take root? These people have soil. There seems to be some good ground there, ground that's ready to receive God's leading in their life, so much so that it springs up immediately. I mean, it was ready. It was warmed up, and it was with joy. But it's shallow. There's no root there. It gives the appearance of receiving the seed, of having growth, but it's not that deep. Jesus also describes that person as temporary, and actually, I like the translation seasonal. (laughs) They're seasonal. They're for a time or for a while. But in other words, it doesn't last, is what Jesus is saying. When pressure comes, or he talks about here, it's translated affliction, but that word means pressure. When they begin to be pressured or persecuted because of their faith, and in other words, they made a decision to follow Christ, but when that begins to get a little difficult, that person, it says, immediately stumbles back into sin. You get the sense that really, they were never really truly committed. There were many kinds of people like this in the Bible. As you read about Jesus and his ministry in the New Testament, you see that large crowds, don't you see that a lot? Large crowds followed Jesus. Many people enjoyed being around Jesus. They enjoyed the crowd. They enjoyed the show, but they were not committed to following Jesus. They had not put their their personal trust in him. These people could say one day, blessed be the name of the Lord, when that was popular, when that was fun, when that was in season, but the next day, the very next day, they could turn on him and say, crucify him. Jesus says, if you're just along for the ride when the sun gets hot, when the pressure's on, you're going to take a hike. Can I push on us a little bit here? Do you follow Jesus because he makes you feel good? Do you follow Jesus because of his party? Isn't it fun? I love being a part of our church. I mean, it's exciting. There's always something happening. God's working in people's lives. I'm getting to know some great people. I'm getting to know a lot of people maybe that weren't so great but are growing. That's all of us, amen. I mean, it's, it's great. I mean, we're getting to be a part of seeing children, enjoying life, and finding Jesus as your Savior. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. We're going to New Orleans. All that is exciting. But do you just follow him at a time when everybody else is? Or do you follow him because you follow him? 
I remember several years ago, the Lord kind of spoke to me about this. I was sitting in a service like this, and I remember God just kind of speaking in my heart, Robbie, if everybody in this room got up and said, I don't believe it, and walked out, all these people that you care about, that you look up to, if all of them stood up and walked out and said, I don't believe it anymore, what would you do? (laughs) I can't help it. I'm staying with Jesus. I mean, it would bother me. It would kind of hurt. I would kind of have some struggle. I would wonder, what happened here, Lord? But I'm telling you, I don't have anywhere else to go. Amen? Amen. So let me push a little bit here. Youth, if you went to camp recently and made some commitments, will you still be following Jesus when school starts back in the fall? Ladies, we just came back from Women of Faith. I thank God for that wonderful ministry. Some of us said we made a decision. We said we made a commitment. We may have even cried some tears in the midst of thousands of other ladies around. But will you still be worshiping God six weeks from now? Guys, we went on a men's retreat last year. How many of the guys that went on that retreat, how many are still here and are following through with the decisions you said you made at that retreat? If I am truly a follower of Christ, if His Word has truly taken hold in my heart, yes, He makes me feel good. Amen? Every good thing in my life has happened because of Jesus. God blesses His people. But even on bad days, I can't help it. I'm staying with Jesus. I don't have anywhere else to go. Some of you are taking the study, The Way of the Master, the Bible study about sharing your faith. And they give an illustration. I don't mean to take the thunder away from the uh, Bible study there. I don't know if you guys have gotten to this part yet. But they give an illustration, that study, of of somebody being on an airplane and that plane's about to crash. Okay? If we're on the plane and the plane's about to crash, what are you looking for? Parachute, right? (laughs) Are there any parachutes around here? Okay, do you put the parachute on because it provides good lumbar support for your seat? Or it helps you to sleep better when you lean back in your chair? No, you put the parachute on to save your life. It's your only hope for rescue. Listen, I don't put Jesus, I don't, I don't trust Jesus because primarily because he makes me feel better, because he makes my life better. I follow him because he is my only hope. And you know what? Even if the parachute gets a little uncomfortable, I might say, man, this thing kind of hurts your back. But the plane's going down. I'm not taking it all. Sometimes following the Lord might be kind of challenging, amen? I'm telling you, it can be. And by the way, a little footnote, the Bible says anything that you sacrifice or give up or any, any pain that's causing your life, at least perceived pain as a result of following Jesus, God pays back more than you could ever imagine. I don't enjoy hard times, but no matter how hard it gets, If God has worked in my life, I cannot turn away from Him. I want to challenge you to think about something. All of us are going to struggle. All of us are going to have good days. We're going to have bad days. We're going to have ups and downs. But I want to ask you to ask yourself a question to examine your heart. Would you say that you know without a doubt that you personally are a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you riding somebody else's coattails? Are you enjoying being around others who are doing that? And maybe you didn't even mean to. But God's challenging you for it to go deeper. Have you just been along for the ride? And God's Word is penetrating your heart more today than maybe it ever has before. Would you allow it to do that? If it's been seasonal for you, if it's been temporary, would you take a step forward 
and let God's Word take root in your life. The question that we need to consider today is, is my heart ready for God to do His work? And I want to challenge you to examine yourself. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, the Bible says, Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. I need to examine myself. God, have I been kidding myself? Am I truly a follower of yours? Paul said, examine yourselves. What is reality in your life? Is reality in your life that you hear a lot, but you're not really receiving it? You're not really accepting it? Aren't you grateful that we live in a country where the Word of God is so prevalent? Now, I know that... uh, that there needs to be more of God's Word in our country, but comparatively with the rest of the world, we just saw a video, 280 million people in Russia do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and most of them do not have a church to reach out and to share that with them. Okay, thank God we live in this country. Thank God we come to a church, and I'm your pastor, and I make a commitment to you, as long as I'm your pastor, that we're going to teach and preach God's Word, that I'm going to, that the people in the classes are going to, the teachers All across this church, we're going to give out the Word of God. Amen? But ultimately, you and I have to decide as individuals, okay, now I'm in a position to hear it, but am I going to receive it? How many times have you left this building? Have you left this service? Did you leave a Bible study last week and you know God was speaking to you and you let it sit? Would that bother you today? Some of us, we've heard God's Word. We've given the appearance of receiving it, at least, at least superficially, but it's not taking root in our lives. And very quickly, it's gone. It's forgotten. It's past. You know what's interesting about this parable is right after this, Jesus tells the parable of the wheat and the tares. I don't know if you've ever studied that before, but the wheat and the tares basically gives this example. Just because you have two plants that look very nice doesn't mean it's the real thing. The wheat is the real thing. It's going to produce fruit, okay? It's going to produce something. The tear was a weed that looked very much like the wheat until the time of harvest. You know what that says to me, church family? There are many people who think they're all set with God, but they're not. There are many people who give the appearance of responding to God, but they're not. What do we say at the beginning? This is a heart issue, isn't it? Is your heart ready for God to work today? You know how you can answer that? By allowing Him to. If He's speaking in your heart, you'll give evidence today that your heart is ready. Is that what you want? Hey, I know there's a lot of obstacles I know it's scary. I know there's pain. I know there's challenges. I know we're hard-headed. I know all those things because don't forget, I'm one of you guys, right? But from the little experience I've had of actually trusting God, I don't know why I don't do it more often. Amen? Would you allow His seed to take root in your heart today?